Do you have an idea for a podcast, but you don't know where to start? Maybe you're overwhelmed by all the tech or you're convinced nobody will actually listen to you. Well, I'm Shauna Game. After nine and a half years as a professional podcaster, at this show, everyone's talking money. And 25 million downloads later, let me tell you the secret to a profitable podcast. It is building a solid foundation, your podcast roadmap before you launch. That's why I created the Podcaster Class, a fast-paced group cohort podcasting for profit eight-week style NBA program. The Podcaster Class is immersive, comprehensive, and insanely motivational. If you want to create a podcast, DIYing a launch is just not the way to go. In the Podcaster Class, you'll get the tools, tips, and strategies to create a podcast that resonates with listeners and one you can be proud of. Get this. 90% of podcasters never make it to episode three. That's 2.8 million podcasters who just quit. So to be a top podcaster, you only need to publish 21 episodes, but you got to make them good. So in the podcaster class, I'm taking the mystery out of how to create, launch, and profit from your podcast so you can create a top 1% podcast just like this one. The May cohort is now open for enrollment. Classes start May 22nd. There are only 15 spots open. You are going to learn podcasting with me and 14 other amazing people. You can learn all the details at thepodcasterclass.com. Use code podcast when you sign up for $100 off. That's thepodcasterclass.com. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I was paying for vacations all wrong. (laughs) I was missing out on miles. I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? I don't know, maybe that fancy hotel upgrade that you have always been dreaming about. Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. I would actually talk to a lot of younger people about like when I'm talking to clients, children, a lot of times what I'm telling them is, you know, forget so much about saving for retirement right now, depending on where you're at in your career and invest in yourself, right? So if there's something that you think you could be doing, that's going to actually help you make more money or even help you enjoy your, what you do for a living more, you know, that's probably more important when you're younger than figuring out how much you're going to put into your retirement savings plan. Welcome to Everyone's Talking Money Podcast. I'm your host, Shauna Game. There's no judgment, no dumb questions, just smart conversations about you and your money. So come on in and grab a seat. Everyone is welcome here. Retirement always seems like a destination that is so far away until you Wake up one morning and you're in your mid to late 30s, even your early 40s, and you're wondering, okay, where did all the time go? And you think, oh crap, am I actually going to have enough money saved to retire? Then the panic sets in and you read all the things and listen to all the podcasts trying to figure out how you make up for lost time and wondering if there are any shortcuts you can take. 
The easiest way to save for retirement, my friend, is just to start saving and stop worrying about how much, no matter what age you are. Joe Curry, host of Canada's fast-growing retirement podcast, Your Retirement Planning Simplified, is joining us in today's episode to share the top five retirement risks that you need to be aware of right now. You'll learn how to figure out how much money you need to save, how to not freak out about your retirement savings, how to handle retirement saving curveballs, and why you should stay away from those calculators that tell you how much you need to have saved by a certain age, because there's just so much more to the story. All right, I'll let Joe fill you in on everything you need to know. Let's start talking. We're going to talk about retirement today, which is a topic that I know is on a lot of people's mind, you know, kind of no matter what stage they're at. And we've got listeners who are just starting out, just starting to save for retirement. We've got people listening kind of mid 30s, 40s, 50s, and then people who are approaching a retirement. But I think no matter where you're at, I've heard this from a lot of my friends lately, there's this fear that you are going to run out of money. And it's very palpable and real for a lot of us. So I was so excited to have you come on. You're the host of Canada's fastest growing retirement podcast, Your Retirement Planning Simplified. So we've got a lot to cover. But I was just thinking we should probably start here. You know, we've just come out of, of COVID and all the changes here in the States and really kind of universally with people working from home and just rethinking their their careers and, and what they want to do for a living. And I know that that impacts the, the retirement uh, situation and how you plan for retirement. And I'm wondering, you know, what do you think retirement is going to look like in the future? Is it going to be the same as our parents or is it going to be a whole different version of what, what retirement is? That's a great question. Uh, and I think that... Uh, well, I already think we're seeing a lot of people maybe taking a bit of a different approach to that. And we see a lot of people are still kind of working past a normal retirement age, but maybe doing things that aren't their traditional career, right? Um, so I also think that as we, uh, I guess, expand our, you know, how long we're able to live with medical advancements, all that kind of stuff, we're also going to see more people taking on maybe multiple careers and doing kind of mini retirements and career changes over time. So I think that'll become more and more normal. So I guess depending on who's listening right now, I might have a different answer, right? Uh, you know, a lot of people who are who I work with who are getting ready to go into retirement right now, you know, a lot of them are still approaching it in the you know, same type of way we might, we might see it traditionally. Um, so, but I think there will be more and more differences as people start to realize that maybe longevity might be a bit of an issue. Like you said, people worrying about running out of money. Um, uh, but it doesn't necessarily have to be something that's scary. Um, uh, because one of the, the issues I see with retirement, especially for people who are very career driven, high achievers is that, uh, there's sometimes a lack of purpose in retirement. So it's actually a good thing to be looking at, you know, what else, maybe it's a work thing that you could be doing once you get to retirement, as opposed to just thinking, I'm going to sail off into the sunset. Yeah. I like that. I like that thought, that idea a lot, because to me, I always think about this idea of like, what if I could just stop working? <laughs> like, what if I just, you know, could pack everything in and, and you know, not work anymore? But then I think, well, what would I do? I'd probably come back to the same things that I'm doing now. And so, you know, I love thinking about your your life and your career as something where what if you can find something you're passionate about and you want to just do it for a long period of time and then that you know, either enhances your, you know, the amount of money you have for retirement or just maybe kind of changes the game. But you, 
you talked a little bit about you know, not letting it it freak you out, not letting the amount of money you need to save or, or what you know what it will look like in retirement not freak you out. How do we do that though? How do we practically <laughs> like put it all in perspective? Sure, yeah, it's definitely easier said than done. And a lot of my you know retiree clients, one of the biggest. I don't know if we call it an issue. I think it's an issue a little bit. Um, but one of the biggest things we see is uh, they have this mindset of saving because they were scared they were never going to be able to retire and they never want to run out of money. And now that they've reached financial independence, like they do not need to work, but they have a hard time actually spending the money that they've created. Not that they have a big goal for leaving uh, you know, a big estate for their kids. Um, a lot of them want to leave something, but that's not the main goal. Um, but they just have making that mindset shift. Like we talked a little bit on before the show about the behavior side of things. It's, uh, it's not an easy thing to do. So, I mean, part of it is really just, I guess on my end is working with people to try to show them uh, not only what they're capable of, but also having kind of concrete plans as to, well, what if things don't go to plan? How do we adjust? How do we make sure that we continue to course correct so that you know you're still on track, you're still not going to run out of money? So, uh, and sometimes, you know, that's not just one conversation. It's maybe years of conversations <laughs> of, of trying to, I guess, let that, that settle in. Um, but I do see that, you know, going through that process, you know, people are able to change their mindset. And some people have the opposite as the opposite is trying to get them to dial it in a little bit or have a plan for, you know, how are they going to bring maybe some additional income streams because they have, you know, big plans or travel or, or whatever it might be once they get there to retirement. It's fascinating. I think it, it, we, you know, we were, like we were saying, we, before we hit the record button, we were talking about the behavioral side of money and our relationship with money. And it's just, it's so interesting how when we tackle a, a big subject like retirement, how we're all just really individual and in, in how we think and how we feel about this and what scares us and, and what doesn't. And I've, I've heard that a lot where when people get to retirement, then they're afraid to spend the money that they that they saved up. And that's a whole different conversation. <laughs> it's a it's a really interesting landscape. But you know, you shared with me that this uh white paper that I love that there are these five retirement risks that you think we all need to know about. And I, I want to talk about those. And I think no matter what age you are that you're listening right now, I think all of these things are really important to to think about or just kind of store in the back of your head and and be aware of you know when you're trans when you're transitioning into retirement like these are some things you know that you really need to think about so you know in pre-retirement we're really focused on like building and and saving our money um so that when we retire we've got enough there all these things we're talking about but you say that, that there's something really important you call it the sequence of returns and that you know if we hit something like a recession or you know, whatever might happen this year, we don't know if recession or not recession, that it can be, you know, not so great for our cash and really alter our plans. Tell us a little bit about how the returns of our money in retirement matter. Yeah, so that's a great point. So as you said, when we're saving, um, we don't need to think too much about the sequence of the returns. So the year to year returns, right? Um, you know, we might look back over the last hundred years. So if we're talking US stock market returns, you know, we can pretty consistently see a long-term return before any kind of fees or anything like that of a close to 10%. But 
if we look closer, there's very few, if any, years that are within like even a percent of that long-term average, right? So we get really high returns some years, really low returns other years. And so when we're saving, it's not a big deal. We're just putting money away. If we're doing it consistently, you may have talked to your audience before about dollar cost averaging. When things are low, we're actually buying more shares or more units, which is good so that when the growth comes, we, you know, we own more. Though the flip side of that, though, is true for when we actually want to start taking money out of our portfolio. So if uh, you've done a great job saving for retirement, you eventually um, want to, you know, turn the tap on, so to speak, where we start to actually take withdrawals. Most people take, you know, monthly withdrawals to replace their their paycheck when they're working once they get to retirement. And so money starts coming out of the portfolio and into your bank account. But if we just assume... Um, you know, I guess in the traditional way of doing retirement planning, we might do a proje- retirement projection. Um, we might put some assumptions on there. So these are just somewhat random assumptions, but we might say we could expect a 5% rate of return, plan for 2% inflation, you're going to live to age 90, something a lot like that. And if all that comes true, that's great. But the reality is you're not going to get a 5% <laughs> return every single year. So it's not going to work like that. So if you... Uh, get a really bad return in the first few years of retirement, and you continue to take money out of the portfolio, even if over the next 30 years, you get some really good returns and it all averages out, uh, it might not matter anymore because you may have taken too much of your principal out when things were down early on in retirement. So it's critical that you have a plan for course correcting when things aren't going as you expected in that initial projection, if that's how you did it. Um, so does that, does that answer the question? Yeah, right. No, I, I definitely, because I think that, um, you know, you, you keep using these words, like if, if things go as planned and we know that things rarely go as planned, uh, which probably comes back to why we all freak out about money so much because (laughs) things never seem to go as planned, but you also, uh, mentioned how long we live And I know that's something we don't really like to think about, but it's sort of a reality. I mean, we're all we're all going to die one day. We don't know when that's going to be. We don't know how much money we're going to need to have saved. So how do we figure out that kind of X factor when we're figuring out, you know, saving for retirement? Like, are we looking at our our family history and kind of saying, well, everybody kind of lived to this age. Maybe that might be me. Or is it just a giant wild card. We have no idea. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a tough one. There, there's sites you can go onto to, you know, put in some information and genetics and health, that kind of stuff to get an idea, you know, to maybe where you might end up. But at the end of the day, it's, it's a bit of a, you know, it's just a guess. <laughs> so, um, again, going back to that traditional retirement projection, if we just run something like that, you know, the day you print that off at you know, by the next day, it's already wrong, right? Because the returns were different. We'll look at inflation right now. That was not in anyone's projections over the last 10 years when you're doing planning. Uh, And the other thing is we have no idea. So some people might run those projections at 90, 95, trying to be conservative, 100. But, you know, over age 100 is the fastest growing like age cohort of, uh, of uh, of any different age group. So as medical advancements become um, or continue to move forward, you know, that's actually a, probably one of the biggest risks is longevity. Now, the flip side is we also don't want to give up, you know, living our best life today. Once we get to retirement, we're active and, and able, you know. So that's why really it's critical, again, not to just have a projection, but to have a plan. So if we can do something that's more dynamic, 
rather than just saying, okay, you can take this much money if all these assumptions come true. So dynamic distribution planning is uh, is one option. So we use retirement uh, Guyton Klinger retirement income guardrails, which basically what it does is if we think about uh, we're going down the, the highway and we have guardrails on each side, if we think about our portfolio, as long as our portfolio kind of stays between the guardrails, we know we can keep taking out that initial uh, amount that we said would be safe. But if we hit the lower guard, well, we know when we need to tighten our belt, so to speak, so that we can stay on track and not take too much out of our, our principal. And the flip side of that is knowing we want to live our best life while we're able to, if we hit the upper guardrail, we know we're safe to take it a little more. So that's one example of how we might plan for that. But back to the original question of, you know, how do we actually pick an age? Well, and there's no perfect answer because we don't know. <laughs> so having a strategy like the guardrails as one strategy uh, is probably a, a better way to approach planning for how long we're going to live. So how do we trust the projections when they're set in place? So you just talked about like the minute we, you know, like print out the the projections for retirement, they're antiquated. Like the minute we hit the print button. So I, how do we how do we trust any of this? Yeah. So I guess the first thing I would say is I, I wouldn't really trust it as the ultimate plan. It's a, projections are, are good to tell us kind of where, where we sit today, but we shouldn't say, okay, well, things look good today, so we're going to be fine. Right. So there's different strategies we want to, we want to have a place. Everyone's situation is also going to be different. So a lot of people might have um, pensions that are indexed to inflation, which is going to take a little bit of the pressure off the portfolio. Um, you know, we could also look at things we don't do. A lot of our clients don't like annuities because they don't like the idea of not leaving that money to their parents or sorry, their kids. So something happens to them. But for someone who is very conservative and just wants to know they have a paycheck for life, you know, that's one way we could also address it. Um, and again, for people who are ultra conservative, you know, something else we could look at is like the safe withdrawal rates, which kind of four the four percent rule is kind of the, the rule of thumb on that. Um, Morningstar's does some research on that every year. Right now, they say if you're retiring this year, 3.78%, I believe, is the safe withdrawal rate. So basically, what that does, and I actually had a, uh, a client who listened to my podcast. I was just talking to this uh, or talking about this recently on there, and he said, "Joe, I don't see why I would ever think that 3.78 is an acceptable rate of return." And so I thought that was interesting hearing that because the safe withdrawal rate. You know, I must not have done a good job of explaining it, but the safe withdrawal rate. <laughs> Has nothing to do with the rate of return that you get. It's it's going back to those sequence of return risks that we talked about at the start, and it's figuring out okay, what's the uh, I guess the most amount of money that we can reasonably take without having to run out of money or not expecting to run out of money in the next thirty years it, through the worst of the scenarios, so the Great Depression, hyperinflation, the seventies, all that kind of stuff. So realistically, if you follow the safe withdrawal rate rules you more than likely end up with a lot more money than you started with, right? But it's helping us prepare for the worst. So how we approach it really is going to have a lot to do with the individual, their risk tolerance, and also their ability to find other income streams, right? If someone's willing to do some work, if markets are down or the portfolio is down and they can just kind of let it recover before they take out more money, I mean, that's also going to help when we're figuring out how much can you take, maybe allow you to plan a little bit to the higher side. Talk to me a little bit about this idea of being too conservative, because it's really interesting. A lot of money experts say, you know, you need to be super aggressive when you're working, and then you need to be super, super conservative when you're in retirement. 
Um, and you're, you say, well, maybe not so much. So what's the balance there between like being aggressive and conservative and how do we figure that out for ourselves? Sure. Yeah, that's a great question. But one of the, I guess one of the other problems I see with projections is they also come out with these, these cash flow projections about how much people are going to take out of the portfolio every year. And I, I often have people when they see that tell me, um, so, you know, if someone's taking out maybe a hundred thousand dollars of the portfolio a year, they use some easy numbers. And if they look 20 years into the future, it tells them they're going to be taking 300,000 a year out and spending that much money. They look at that and they say, Joe, there's no way that's ever going to happen. So they don't think they need to get much growth. You know, if they're sitting on a million dollar portfolio, they think about in today's dollars, well, if I just take, you know, a hundred thousand dollars a year, plus I get some growth, that's going to get me to my, you know, 20 years or 30 years, however long they're, they're planning for. Um, so they just look at doing it like ultra conservative, just making sure it doesn't go down. But the reality is, uh, as we've seen, inflation can come up, come up at any time. And even at small amounts of inflation. So we look back over the last 30 years, you know, for somewhere around 3% of inflation, you know, over a 30 year retirement, our year over year costs are going to be up like two and a half times. So it's pretty significant. Wow. Uh, yeah. That's yes, impactful. It is right. So in order to keep that portfolio generating income, and this really comes back to that longevity risk, really, they're kind of intertwined. If, if we are not getting enough growth to, to keep the portfolio on average, because year, year over year, we're not sure what's going to happen. But on average, if we're not keeping ahead of inflation and we live beyond 30 years and we're looking at a plan that was taking out you know, what I guess the max we thought was safe to be taken out over those years, if, if we're not getting above inflation, we're eventually going to run out of money. It's inevitable, right? So it is important to have money set aside for short-term spending. And this is kind of what I tell everybody when they go to retire is we have two, uh, I guess, time horizons. Because everyone thinks of it like, Joe, I know that long-term everything's going to work out, but I'm retiring tomorrow, so I don't have long-term. But if we think about it in kind of two buckets, we could say, okay, well, what do we need to spend over the next, you know, five, six, seven, eight years, depending on how conservative we want to be. That's the amount of money that we want to set aside and something that is more conservative. So we make sure that despite what's going on on the stock market or wherever else we're invested, we can get through the ups and downs with money we've set aside to keep fairly safe. That's not fluctuating a lot. But beyond that, we want to have another bucket where we're getting the growth that is going to help us stay ahead of inflation over time. So it's a, it's a bit of a combination. We do want to take care of the short-term spending. We never want to neglect that. But we also don't want to forget that we could be retired for 30 or 40 years. The weather is getting warmer. I'm so excited. And it is time to say goodbye to all those jackets and sweaters and hello to the shorts and t-shirts. I wanted to update my summer workout wardrobe for the long haul without, you know, spending a fortune. Luckily, I found Quince and I am in love. Quince is your go-to place from everything from premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless, 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. The best part of all, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes those savings on to you. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. 
Okay, I bought the dreamiest pair of workout leggings and a bright pink workout top to match. Honestly, ladies, I gotta tell you, these leggings you need. The price cannot be beat, and I feel like a million bucks wearing this cozy workout friendly outfit. I've worn it for like five days straight. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash etm for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash ETM to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash ETM. I'm going to be real with you. Identity theft is on the rise, and you do not want to wake up one morning and discover that your bank account has been emptied or you're overdue on credit cards you never even applied for. We talk about this often on the podcast, but you don't realize how much of your information is available to scammers on the internet and how susceptible you and your family are to identity theft and fraud. I know, it's scary, but now you can get your data removed with Delete Me. That's why I personally choose Delete Me. Delete Me is a subscription service that removes your personal information from the largest people search databases on the web and in the process helps prevent potential ID theft, doxing, and phishing scams. I just started using Delete Me and I got my regular personalized privacy report. <laughs> I was shocked what they found and removed. It was pages of information about me that I did not want online. Here's how it works you sign up and provide Delete Me with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. I cannot tell you how relieved I felt to have Delete Me. And you know, it's also a great service for your parents or grandparents to help protect them from identity theft. Delete Me is not just a one-time service. Delete Me is always working for you, constantly monitoring and removing the personal information you do not want on the internet. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me, now at a special price for my listeners. Today, get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com etm and use promo code etm at checkout. The only way you get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and enter code etm at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash etm. Go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and use code etm for 20% off. Okay, friend, I want to know, what are your money goals this year? Are you saving to buy a house or maybe a wedding or a dream vacation to somewhere tropical? If that's you, please, please take me with you. Or maybe you want to just grow your emergency fund because let's be real, life is expensive. I want to make sure you reach your goals. So you need Monarch. That's why the Wall Street Journal named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You can create custom budgets, track progress towards your financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com etm. Here's what I love. Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. You can change the layout of your dashboard. You can go between light and dark mode. You can create custom budgets and notifications. You can set up all of these automatic rules for your transactions and notifications and so much more. Monarch is obsessed with constantly improving their product. Get this. They release updates every two weeks and they even allow customers to submit suggestions 
vote on requested features, and view the product roadmap. This, my friend, is totally original. Plus, they will never sell your data to third party or show you ads. I think that's really important. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it is the top-rated personal finance app. And now, listeners of this show get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com etm. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash ETM for your extended 30-day free trial. Yeah, I don't know how inflation is up where you guys are. We just, we've done a lot of episodes on inflation. We just did one about the price of eggs here down <laughs> in the States, which is ridiculous. <laughs> We're spending a lot of money for, for, for eggs. I think it's starting to come down a little bit, but still, I mean, that's just an example of kind of how crazy things are. How, yeah. how is inflation up in Canada? Yeah, we're basically running the exact same as you guys. I think we might be maybe like 1% below where you guys are, but we're kind of that same path we've been taking up and starting to come down a bit now. But yeah, it's it's uh, it's beyond what kind of anyone had set for expectations, given what we've seen for inflation over the last couple of decades. What are you guys, where are you feeling it the most? Like, are you feeling it in housing or or just, you know, normal goods and services? Or is it just kind of across the board like it is here? Yeah, I mean it is across the board for sure, but where you know we're seeing it the most is definitely with uh, the grocery store. Like everyone's talking about how much it costs to buy groceries now. That's and I mean everyone's doing that, right? So it's something that everybody feels that pain. Um, and I think it may be similar to you guys, or at least pockets of the U.S. anyway. But real estate have been crazy here for a few years, but it is it's starting to cool down. It's come down a little bit over the last eight months or so. Yeah, it's starting to just trickle down a little bit here, depending on depending on where you live. So it's going to be really interesting to see, <laughs> you know, what happens in, in this year and, and kind of the next years coming up here. Um, another thing to talk about for retirement is is healthcare, and you know, even down here in the states, even if you had good healthcare and you needed to go in the hospital, it still could be ridiculously expensive. So if you were nearing retirement or going into retirement, you could really see how that would impact things, um, you know, just in terms of, of the amount of money you take out and kind of longevity of of uh, your portfolio. So how do we plan for things like healthcare, which is just another completely unknown of, you know, what is that going to be in the future? Yeah. So it's, uh, you know, I guess there's different ways to look at it, but one of the reasons it, it becomes a risk is um, people feel like, you know, I'm going to spend more money when I first retire, but eventually I'm going to slow down and I won't need as much money. And so that's, that's true. Uh, but I think as David Blanchett calls it the retirement smile is, you know, what we typically see is, yeah, the more spending early on when we're active, we're able to travel, that all that kind of stuff. And then when we get into maybe our later 70s, 80s, we start to slow down. We stay home more. It's not that we can't get around, but we just don't want to spend as much money. So spending does come down. But the, the other half of that smile is the, is the potential healthcare expenses. And so those expenses are going to look different for everyone, right? Because some people might end up in long-term care for a decade uh, and other people might peacefully pass away in their sleep when they turn 100, right? We have no idea what that's going to look like. So uh, it's a little bit different between the US and Canada. I think there's maybe less options from an insurance standpoint, but I mean, there's a long-term care insurance is one option to look at. Um, for a lot of people, when we're doing planning, depending on their situation, if we... It, you know, if they look like it's it's fairly safe that they can spend the money they want through at retirement and that 
extra healthcare risk might kind of put them over the top at the, the end of retirement. Um, we might even look at, well, what kind of equity are they going to have in their home? Do they own their home with no debt? Because that maybe that's a bit of a backup plan there. Um, but I think that the main thing is really just not neglecting that it could be an issue at the end and not just planning to spend every last penny and selling the house. <laughs> and again, every last penny. So how, how are we going to come up with that money? So maybe it's insurance, um, but it might not be necessary. So, but I don't think there's actually a perfect answer on that. And between the U S and Canada, there's going to be some differences there on what's covered as well. Um, so that's also going to play a bit of a, uh, I guess a part in the planning. Yeah. I'm always curious. Um, but I talked to somebody from a different country, especially Canada to, to compare the differences. What is, what is the retirement, you know, savings and just kind of system like in, in, in Canada for those of us who have no experience with it? Sure. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely a lot of parallels, uh, between the U.S. and Canada. So we have retirement accounts. Um, so we have registered retirement savings plans, which uh, I believe is like your IRA. So we, you know, you put money in there, you get a deduction off your income for tax purposes. It grows tax deferred. And when you take it out later on in retirement, you pay taxes on it. Um, I think we can maybe put a little bit more into that than you guys can. Um, I know you guys have 401ks. We have, you know, the equivalent of that is like just what we call a group RSP it's basically the same thing as our, our RRSP, except we're just doing it through work. Um, so we have those. We also have uh, tax-free savings accounts. So this is money that is like after-tax money that we put in. We can contribute $6,500 a year now, and that grows totally tax-free, and we can take it out tax-free, which I know you nice. guys have the equivalent of that. Where the difference is, I know you guys have limits on your equivalent, uh, as do we, but I know you guys can also do Roth conversions, right? Where you're going exactly. from one to the other. We can't do that conversion. If we've used up our contribution room, we can't take any additional to put in there. So I mean, that's one difference. Uh, we have the government you know, programs. Like you guys have social security, but we have, a, I guess, an extra one. So we have Canada Pension Plan, which is you know deductions off our payroll uh, over time. And eventually it gives us a bit of a pension when we go to retire. Uh, but we also have the old age security program, which is actually funded through taxes. And as long as you're a resident for long enough, you get that whether you are working or not. So that's kind of a, an additional benefit, I guess you could say. Uh, and then from a healthcare standpoint, like we do have universal healthcare, as most people know, though I would argue it's probably not as uh, comprehensive as you might think, <laughs> but we do have it. Really? But, really? Tell, tell me about that. Um well, I mean, I guess one of the things is um, like our wait times and the ability to actually get a lot of different procedures or see the specialists we want is, um, you know, it could be waiting six months or a year, multiple years, depending on what it is. So that's one of the, wow. it's maybe one of the downsides of not having private healthcare is because it's all funded by the government. So there's definitely a lot of limitations there. Uh, and we still have to pay for all our prescription drugs, uh, all our dental, all that kind of stuff. Um, and then there are other procedures that aren't covered. Once we get to retirement, most, so this is one of the things, I guess, from a retirement perspective is once we hit age 65, the government will take care of most prescriptions. So um, that, but that's not necessarily fully comprehensive, but would, but a good portion of prescriptions would be covered. And there's also some coverage around like long-term care, which is tied back to, so it's not just taken care of regardless, but it comes back to income. So if you have an income, you have to pay for it. Right. Um, but beyond, if you have no income, then there will be care there, but you're just not going to get any kind of uh, like a private room. You're probably going to have a, a shared room. There's going to be some downsides to that. Um, so 
I guess those are some of the differences. Uh, I'm just trying to think. I wrote down a few before, but yeah, I mean, from a, I guess a planning standpoint, the retirement income planning is really the same, right? As far as we're taking money out, how you're making your money last, all that kind of stuff. Um, our goal taxes plan, like tax planning is still the same. Like how are we limiting your lifetime taxes, which is maybe the ways we're doing it are, are a little bit different, but from a high level, it's very similar, but there's some different programs available in each country that make it slightly different from a planning perspective. I'm sorry, but I have the best dog ever. Her name is Winnie Stardust. She is a mini golden mountain doodle full of life, and I would do just about anything to keep her happy, healthy, and safe. Today's episode is sponsored by the ASPCA Pet Health Insurance Program. Your pet is part of your family and you want to do the best for them, but vet bills can really add up. We jokingly keep telling Winnie she needs to get a job to pay for her vet bill. That's why you should check out pet insurance. And with ASPCA Pet Health Insurance, you can focus on the care your pet deserves and cover what matters most. The ASPCA Pet Health Insurance Program offers customized accident and illness plans, making it easier for pet parents like you to help your pet get the care they need. The ASPCA Pet Health Insurance Program has been around for over 18 years, and they've helped more than 600,000 pets during that time. They allow you to customize your plan, helping to ensure that your pet's plan is as unique as they are. Because vet bills can really add up, especially when you are least expecting it. It's simple. Use their app to submit a claim and you'll receive reimbursement for eligible vet bills directly into your bank account. To explore coverage, visit ASPCAPetInsurance.com slash ETM. That's ASPCAPetInsurance.com slash ETM. Again, that's ASPCAPetInsurance.com slash ETM. This is a paid advertisement. Insurance is underwritten by either Independent American Insurance Company or United States Fire Insurance Company and produced by PTZ Insurance Agency Limited. The ASPCA is not an insurer, is not engaged in the business of insurance. In those moments when money is just not moving as fast as your dreams, Earnit provides the financial momentum you need to keep moving forward. Earnit is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work, up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. You just download the Earnit app and verify your paycheck. Then you access up to $100 a day as you work and you can leave an optional tip. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. I honestly would use Earnin in lots of different ways, but what's on my mind recently is I need a night out. I need some good tacos to sip on a few virgin margaritas and celebrate you all helping this podcast earn 26 million downloads. Make Earnin a part of your financial routine and join Earnin's over three and a half million customers who say things like, when I think about Earnin, I think about financial stability and security. Gives me a lot of peace of mind. Download Earnin today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earnin app, type in Talkin' Money under podcast when you sign up. It will really help the show. Talkin' Money under podcast. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank, subject to your available earnings, daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank & Trust, member FDIC. Hey, my name's Otis Gray, host of The Daily Book Club. 
a daily podcast where I read wonderful old books one chapter at a time. Simple as that. Whether you want to get engaged and lost in a fascinating story that has stood the test of time, or just relax to a good book, listen to The Daily Book Club to get wrapped up or unwind during your day. We'll read classic stories like Pride and Prejudice, The Enchanted April, The Wind in the Willows, beautiful stories all told from start to finish. And you can even do a real book club. Tune into the Daily Book Club Discord and discuss the readings with other book club listeners. However you want to listen, it's your choice. Subscribe to the Daily Book Club on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere else. New episodes every single day. So sit back, relax, and get lost in the Daily Book Club. Yeah, I just think it's always fun to kind of cross compare, <laughs> yeah, sure. you know, and and then also to see the similarities where like specifically when we're talking about retirement, um, it maybe almost doesn't matter where you live. We still have to go through kind of the same steps to get to, um, you know, have hopefully having enough money when we retire. What would you say to anybody listening who is younger, who maybe has, you know, 20, 30 years for retirement. You know, we hear all these numbers, in, at least in the States. I don't know how it is up there in Canada, but, you know, people will throw out, oh, you need to have, you know, a million dollars saved. And then, oh, that's not enough. Now you need to have two or three million, you know, and when you're in your 30s or even your 40s, some of those numbers seem really big. And you think, how in the world am I ever going to get to that number. Like it just feels so unrealistic. So what would you say to somebody listening who's kind of in that place trying to figure out, you know, how do I even know how much I need to save? Sure. So, I mean, I'm sure you've heard of and talked about different rules of thumbs, things like that. I mean, I guess the first thing I would say is that the power of compounding is pretty amazing, right? So what seems like a small amount going away on a regular basis today can turn into numbers that we, it's really hard to actually fathom in our head, uh, you know. So, so that's one is just you know have a consistent savings program. Um, but maybe I, what I would actually talk to a, a lot of younger people about, like when I'm talking to clients, children, a lot of times what I'm telling them is, you know, forget so much about saving for retirement right now. Depending on where you're at in your career, and invest in yourself, right? So. If there's something that you think you could be doing that's going to actually help you make more money or even help you enjoy your what you do for a living more, you know, that's probably more important when you're younger than figuring out how much you're going to put into your retirement savings plan. Um, and so that's something for me. Um, so I'm 38. I'll be 38 years. Actually, this this week, I'll be 38 years old. Wow. And, happy birthday. Uh, thank you. <laughs> and so like my focus really isn't in maxing out retirement accounts. It's in uh, it's investing in myself. So, you know, I spend a lot of money on coaching and advancing my education around what I do for a living, which helps me provide more value to my clients, which helps me generate more income within my business. And that to me is going to pay off and compound a lot more than even putting money into, uh, you know, a diversified portfolio of stocks over the next 20 years or so. Um, so the saving setting it up, doing it on a regular basis, all important stuff. But you know, there might be other things that can actually push you along a little bit further. I like that answer because most people don't go to that answer. <laughs> but there is a lot of value in uh, you know, g- gaining your skills. I have a lot of friends that are you know, around your age, like late 30s, early 40s, who are making career shifts or 
um, going back to school to to get another degree or learn something different. And there's always a fear of, oh, I'm going to have to stop saving for a year or a couple years or stop putting into retirement. Like, is that going to mess everything up? But I, I love your answer that investing in yourself, investing in your skills and growing those skills is actually a huge asset that is probably going to help you, you know, compound your money even more in the future. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I think it's probably one of the, one thing that's just really overlooked, I think in mainstream, uh, mainstream advice, but I think it, it, it probably is going to pay a much bigger dividend down the road than just putting away an extra 50 bucks a month or something like that. Tell us a little bit about your, your podcast and you know, what you talk about on it. I, I was checking it out. There's some really interesting episodes that, uh, I started listening to. I'm like, wow, this is like, this is such great information. Like, how did you decide to, to, to start the show? Sure. So uh, in my firms, Matthews & Associates, we're you know, wealth management specifically for retirement planning. Uh, but one of our core values is approachability because I feel like in this industry, a lot of people have a really bad impression about the industry itself and the people, and maybe for good reason in, in some cases. So uh, when I'm talking to people, a lot of times uh, it's so... People could be apprehensive because of that, but also because they feel like they are embarrassed about what they don't know and they're scared to talk to somebody about that. So they're not getting the advice they need. So the idea behind the podcast is really living up to that approachability value and helping educate people so that they feel like they're in a better place to either whether it's do this on their own or at least come in and have an educated conversation with someone who can help them and not be embarrassed to get that advice they need. Um, so that's really the the biggest reason behind it. So we've been having a lot of fun with it. Uh, we've been doing it for um, I don't know a year and a few months, I guess now. We'll probably uh, we've been doing it every other week. We'll probably pick that up here uh, at some point, maybe later in the year, because uh, we are having a lot of fun with it. We're actually in the middle of building a new website right now. That's just really just going to be all about education content, as opposed to it's just kind of separate from the wealth management firm. So we're trying to grow that, and really, it's yeah, just about making getting advice, uh, you know, a lot more approachable. Well, we've we've talked about so much, and I feel like the the subject of retirement is like such a big uh, beast for so many of us. Again, we've said, you know, no matter where we are on the age spectrum, we're all thinking about it. We're all, you know, a little worried about it. I just had a, a conversation with um, a girlfriend the other day who uh, went freelance from working a, um, you know, W-2 kind of, you know, corporate job. And and she was saying how panicked she is about um, oh, retirement. She had talked to her financial advisor and she's like, I felt like I was yelling at him because I was just, I was just like so much fear over, you know, uh, what was going to happen if I couldn't put more money away and how do I plan for this? And what are the numbers? And there's just so much confusion. And we've, we've, you know, demystified a little bit on, uh, on this episode, but I would love for you to leave everyone listening, you know, with, with maybe some, some, some words of advice, um, some, some things to think about, you know, when we're, we're planning for retirement and we're thinking about this, this big thing, you know, funding these years when we're not working, what do you want us to, to remember about this time in our life? Sure. So, I mean, I, I guess it's, First of all, just kind of stepping back a little bit, understand where we are, where we want to be. And then once we put a plan together, it's really about just taking one step at a time. You're the last guest, uh, probably not the last guest once this airs, but I can't remember her name, but I was talking to you about it before, about kind of the behavioral side. Um, 
And so she talked about just kind of what's the next best thing? What's the next best thing, right? So I think that's uh, really helpful for people who are, you know, a little ways out from retirement is just what's that next step that we can take and take it rather than being overwhelmed at the numbers, like you said, do we need a million dollars? We need $2 million um, because we're not just going to come up with a million dollars out of nowhere. We have to take that next best step. That would be nice, right? <laughs> yeah. And then the other thing is for anyone approaching retirement, once we're like a, you know, a couple of years out from retirement, really as much as the money obviously is a focus, can we do it? But I think just as importantly is, you know, what is our purpose? You know, what's going to get us out of bed in the morning once we get to retirement? Because an unfulfilled retirement really is is pointless. We might as well be working if we feel we have purpose to go to work every day. Um, so I really think that not just thinking about the money, but thinking on the other side of uh, the other side of the money, the other side of retirement is really important as well. I really like what Joe said at the top of the episode, focus on investing in yourself and growing your earning potential. As you do that and your income grows, so can your savings for retirement. It's the idea that just slow and steady wins the race. And if you're feeling like you might have already missed the race, I can really understand that feeling. Just start focusing, though, on what you can save today. So go back to some of the episodes where I talked about creating a spending plan and see if you can carve out an extra couple of bucks from here and there with being intentional with your money and then put that towards your retirement savings. But at the end of the day, just do what you can do today. That is the best you can offer yourself, right? That's giving you a really nice money self-care hug. Do what you can. You can find Joe's podcast, Your Retirement Planning Simplified, on all the major platforms for podcasting. And you can find his firm's website at matthewsandassociates.ca. That will all be linked in the show notes. If you enjoyed this episode, the biggest favor you can do for me is head on over to whatever your app you're listening in right now and give us some stars, give us some reviews for the podcast. A big goal, again, of trying to get to a thousand reviews for the show. Still about 400 off, so I could definitely use yours. If you enjoyed this episode, share it with someone right now and let them in on these five retirement risks that Joe says you need to be aware of. You can have the show notes for all the links for episode guests, as well as the sponsors who make this show possible. I'll see you back here in a few days for a brand new episode. Music.